Hey folks, welcome in the Pro Football Ireland. It's a Wednesday, that means it's scaled on NFL as we're getting ready to sort of look back and put week seven into the burner and never talk about it ever again, slash move forward to week eight. Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, delighted to be joined by the king of Galway. Scal, James, Kajay, what's the crack? I don't think I've ever been called the king of Galway. I'd say if you ask people, I'm not even the king of my own house. <laughs> we'll all take that, like. That's Mike. That that that's that's the that's a nice way to to do an intro. And I, I let's keep it up for the rest of the podcast now, the whole year. So I'm expecting big things I've been out from every week. Mark, um, we finally went a weekend without seeing each other. Thank God, you're probably saying in your head, uh, are, are, "Are you doing okay?" Yeah. Yeah, I was over at the rugby, and um, I cannot wait for a weekend off the traveling. That's four weeks and four weeks that I've been out of the country, so it'll be a long weekend spending bed. I think. That's insane. That's insane. I I was finally home this weekend, and I tell you what, when Red Zone hit on Sunday, I there was tears, there was literal tears. And then I watched some of the games. It was actually a really interesting early slip. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> folks. If you've been listening to this podcast for the last five weeks, you might not be aware that James is a Patriots fan. But now, James, I am going to give you lots of optimism this evening, my friend. I, I wrote, wrote an article earlier on today for an outlet which I can't name which is going to go out in the next couple of days, but it was on the Patriots. And like you think of, James, this time last week, how many people were giving this team a chance against the Bills for a start. What they've done with their offensive line is one thing, but I found today that through the initial five weeks of the season, the Patriots had an average EPA of minus 0.27, last in the league in offense. Yeah. And now on average in the last two games, they're plus 0.09, fourth in the league, has Bill O'Brien finally found spinach or Guinness or what's happened? Because they were like obviously a really big improvement on Sunday. You got to hold it up to them. Fair play to Bill and the boys. Yeah, I I think um, the scheme that that the Patriots ran, especially under Bill O'Brien, was far better. It was uh, complimentary to Mac Jones. I just thought that his decision making didn't have to be as difficult. He wasn't trying to force throws, and then in the offensive line, it's huge. We got Cole Strange back. We moved uh, Mike Minio over to right tackle. It made a ferocious difference. Like he was predominantly a right guard. He's been he has been over the last uh, couple of seasons. So moving him to right tackle for the first time this year proved to be like I don't understate this now. Monumental difference. Like you look at the timing, and it, specifically on the last drive, when you consider like that the Bills were bringing heavy pressure in the last drive for obvious reasons. You know that uh, they're trying to trying to uh, force Jones into into fumbles, uh, interceptions, etc. But Mac just about had just about had enough time to release the ball, and like if that was last week or weeks previous, you know he's he's getting sacked, the ball's getting thrown away, it's getting picked. So I think the, the biggest thing for me was was the improvement, um certainly in and I know that comes with personnel returning etc. in the offensive line, but then Mac Jones, I have to say, like he looked that that has been without a shadow of a doubt his best game in the last two years, and he looked he looked poised. He held he held the ball. I like which I was I was happy with because in games previous he's been trying trying to overly force the ball and making decisions that you would say were not sound. They weren't smart. Or I don't even he was trying to I suppose push it too much and getting caught for it. So it was good to see the offense not now I know in the last the last few minutes I was going to say this not turning over the ball too easily. <laughs> now the last five or six minutes was it was hard stopping stuff. I, I went from going yeah this game is over we're good. Even even when they failed two-pack conversion, I was happy enough. I said, yeah, we're 12 up. We're good here. Five minutes later, 
we're not good here. It's like, oh my God, we couldn't get out of our own way. Um, but look, there's improvements to be made. But coming away from that kind of that kind of game, especially at home against a team like the Bills, I don't think the Bills are what they were uh, because of the injuries that they've suffered. But coming away with that kind of victory win, I myself didn't give us a prayer. You know, it was extremely satisfying. I, I find it difficult, James, though, to see how it can be like this going forward. Like, last two games, there's been adjustments made to the offense by Bill O'Brien. Great job mm-hmm. done. But for me, it's a lot of quick developing plays, a lot of short yardage stuff. And it seems like teams are just going to be like, okay, we're going to ask him to go deep. Because, like, it, he's getting the ball out super fast. But he, like you're saying, he's not trying anything crazy. So other teams are just going to defend the short stuff and make him go long again because it's when he was going long by choice, that's when he was killing himself. So they're just going to be like, okay, you're going to have to go long because we're not going to give you the stuff that you're good with. Yeah. See, if teams, like if if, if opposing defenses are able to collapse the pocket quick and and push Mac into, obviously not getting a check down pass or, or even even a pop pass to his, to his running backs, if he can, if they, they, uh, they collapse the pocket and push him out and make him scramble, that's, that's awful trouble. That's a that's a recipe for disaster for for a quarterback with you know, with limited capability. To be honest, he's not a Jalen Hurts. He's not a Tua. You know, he's not a Patrick Holmes. We know that he has his he has his skill set. And I think the Patriots themselves, you know, they they utilized that skill set last Sunday. What happens? I fully agree with you, Mark. When when opposing defenses come, and it happens very quickly, they'll have this sussed in another week or two that they can uh, adjust their their defensive scheme to counteract the Patriots for the short yardage. I do agree. Now, I'm happy that Jamario Douglas is back because he creates a bit of expansion because we had no depth whatsoever. By putting Jamario Douglas, um, you know, in, in a role where he can stretch the field, it allows us to put Deontay Parker out wide, create a one-on-one. We're not asking Devontae Parker to do, to, do, to run a post route as hard as he can, you know, at his age. It's not going to happen. So, I think it's complementary football. If we can get everyone on the pitch, on the field, should I say, um, you know, we, we, we can utilise the person that we have and the system we have. It's when we start to drop a person or two, that's when I get really concerned. You know, we were down to our third left tackle at one stage, with Trent, Trent Bowne tough to that was fine. So I think it's pivotal. Obviously, he gets the protection Mac Jones does. Uh, health is a huge thing for us because our skill players aren't, you know, they're not, um, I don't mean this in a bad way, overly skillful. We're not talking about a Justin Jefferson type person or Jamar Chase. So like we need everyone and we need options because if you look at the last drive, Les, I think we hit, we hit Stevenson, we hit Douglas, we hit Parker, we hit Henry and we hit Kaseki. You know, so a nice spread. So like all those pers- all the guys have to be on the field to try and uh, get up the pitch. So look at a job well done. There's more to come, obviously. An extremely tough one next week, but that's next week. Yep. One one thing I'd say to you, um, you didn't really mention Ezekiel Elliott there, but when you talk about the O-line, his vision was allowed to be in play again because the O-line was able to make some holes. I mean, he had two massive runs in the game, but overall, how would you have rated his performance? Do you think like he's turned a corner now, or? Yeah, like I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't. Um, when we originally signed him, like I always believe, Mark, right? When a team lets go a running back, they let him go for a reason. Now, there's there's, there's very limited. There's a few times in like, in the history where you go to, where a team has picked up a running back and it's worked out really well, like Corey Dillon for us back in the day. You know, was, was one that she could really pick up on. But when I look at the Cowboys and go, right, they're they're putting heavily on Pollard. They're they're giving us essentially essentially giving a seek. Right, what could he produce? But in fairness to him, he produced his. I'm open to correction. But I think he's 70th touchdown on Sunday. I think that was his 70th in the league. That's fair going, I have to say. And he provided the tough yardage because 
on the touchdown he scored, I think it was jo- Jordan Poyer came, he blitzed from the left side and met him. He met Zeke and Zeke managed to run through, you know, and get in for the touchdown. So it's good to see that we have like a power back like him. Um, I Look, you're not going to get anything that's usually explosive from. Now, I know the, the one against the Raiders where he got pulled back for a for a hold by Hunter Henry, you know, was was sure good pace. But it's good that we have complementary backs. We can utilize Stevenson on the on the outside and then utilize Zeke up the middle. But like that, he needs he needs the gaps, he needs the holds. And so, like, when we, we introduce uh, the tight end split where we come in and, and, I suppose, allow chip blocks to come in, you'll find the holes. Zeke will find the holes. His vision is good. I don't think he is what he is. Or he's, or I don't think he is what he was, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't be let go from Dallas. But certainly, he's 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 a good cog in the wheel, I have to say. Here's your TikTok reel moment, Mr. Scahill, this week. This is the best week of the year for a fan in Europe or Ireland or wherever. The games start one week earlier, five o'clock, because the clocks don't change in the States. We go forward Saturday night, five o'clock, obviously, Patriots play the Dolphins. As somebody with kids, is this a nightmare scenario or what's the crack? This is a disaster. Utter disaster. Because six o'clock in our house, right, is snack time. <laughs> and snack time, I can throw on the tablet and say, right, <laughs> over there, and just silence. Watch Coco Miller. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Watch Netflix there. Whereas five o'clock, I can't do that. So I got to figure it out. I got to get wise in my decision. I, I have to find, uh, I might just go to my mother's house for an hour <laughs> and watch it there. R- rural Wi Fi scenario, or what's the crack there? Like, uh, not simple, no. It's not simple. I, I am, I wouldn't say I'm in the sticks, but I'm not far away from it. It's not so. <laughs> I'm not far away from it. <laughs> yeah, well, how, are you fe- how are you feeling going into that game? Because, Look, I, I still have reservations about the Patriots after that game. I actually thought the Bills were the better team. Um, and there was something that really stood out to me. I just thought the yards after the catch from the Bills players was far superior to that of the Patriots players. And it's like, it, it was evident to me, like, within two minutes of game time when Stephon Diggs gets his touchdown. And what was that? Like, the, the third quarter? Yeah, and he he catches at the five yard line. There's two Patriots defenders on him. He shakes them off and goes in for the touchdown. And then, like literally, whatever how many plays next? Three or four plays by the Patriots. Um, Kendrick Bourne gets the ball and he coughs it up on a because he's looking for yak yardage. One of the few times that I actually saw a player actually like looking for the yardage from the Patriots. That to me is a concern. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Um, like I. Now, don't get me wrong, I've never played the NFL. I've never played the sport itself, right? So I, I don't understand how how difficult it might be to make a tackle. But it's noticeable in the NFL how many tackles are missed, you know? And when you get contact on a tackle, especially, I think it was JC Jackson who got the tackle on Diggs that stage. He has both arms around him. He should never get out. He should never get out. I know it looks like Stefan Diggs does unreal to get out of the tackle, but I would more so be looking at Jackson going, that's a terrible attempt. It's an awful attempt, really, to make a tackle at that level. He should be put down there and at least give the defense a chance. And but with the Patriots, I always find when we're going for yards after catch and football, it's always vertical runs. It's always vertical runs with bad ball security. So like I know Bill Belichick, I've watched more documentaries and you know snippets of information of that man, and he's always on about ball security. So there's been running backs who have played for the Patriots who have played a couple of downs, fumbled the ball a couple of downs, and gone out of town. You know? So when we look at the likes of Bourne, whereby it's not his first time, mind you. Even when the when the contact is initiated, he's holding the ball with one hand. His second hand is not is not controlling the ball. It's not it's not securing the ball. So that's that's just a simple, I think, a coaching t- element if you ask me. But like you're going to have to make hard yard. Like if you look at the 
look at last night's game, not to jump across it now, but look at uh, um, Jordan Nelson, right, for, the, for, for Minnesota when he scores his second touchdown. That ripping the ball out, you know, I don't think that happens. By, to, by, I don't think a Patriots player does that. You know what I mean? I don't think the, I won't say the skill set or the wherewithal, it's just, it's just not there. Like, we have a level of receiver, Mark. We have a level of receiver that they're, they're I wouldn't cla- basically ca- class them as, what's the word I'd use here, Les, now? Give me the right words. Elite? Yeah, playmaker. Playmaker, I guess was it elite playmaker, you know. Like a playmaker for me is someone who does something when they're not supposed to or they're not entitled to. You know, you look at the catches that Jace's, the Jeffersons, the Jigs, the Hills they make in the space they open up. We just don't really have a playmaker. We've got receivers who you'd, you'd hope have some fundamentals, but we just turn over the ball too much. And I agree with you, man. It is a concern. And I don't like going down to Miami considering that they're coming back off a loss from by they were well in the game. You know, I know the scoreline score looks like a two-touchdown two margin. You say, geez, that looked like a bit of a, a, a bit of a gap, but it, it was not. You know, Miami were well in the game up until the end of the third quarter, and it just snuck away from them, bearing a couple of injuries. Like, so it's going to be a tough one. But here I, here I was seven days ago saying, it's likely we're going to get defeated by the Bills. It's likely we're going to be one and seven. And now I'm going down wishful that we, we, we turn into three and eight, three and five. So, especially with the commanders of the coast to come after that. If we somehow get a victory, Somehow get a victory here at next few games. Then I'm hope I'm hoping for five and five. Come with me. I'm in the Frankfurt if you get a victory, I tell you that. Um here, talking about Miami, twenty eight degrees is under. Do you buy into all this heat crap? Have you ever played like a massive, massive game in heat? Like, yeah. like what's the actual effect? Like So I played a couple of games in heavy heat and so for me in, in my position, like sweat was an awful thing. You might laugh at that list. But the sweat coming into your eyes, like it, like sweat stings your eyes, right? And so if you're constantly wiping your sweat, your hands are wet on a hurl on a ball. It's not it's not ideal. But the heat, it's it's the breath. It's trying to get your breath back in. So when you're running, let's say, you know, hard yardage. Now I wouldn't obviously because in my position, but the guys would say if you're running hard yardage, it's very hard to get your breath back up. You know, and especially wearing a helmet. And like the helmets that the NFL boys wear are heavy, coupled with the bloody pads. <laughs> the pads are uh, they're not ideal. So it's it is it's a tough place, and I think acclimatization like I suppose it's the same for when you go to the cold like when teams come up to New England and play in the cold it's very hard to acclimatize if you're a West Coast player or a South player and just like if you're playing in New England it's hard enough to acclimatize going to the South in, in very very warm weather I think there's a reason why Tom Brady has got a terrible record in Miami you know there has to be something like I know Hard Rock Stadium is it's a nice open stadium but there has to be something in terms of heavy heavy heat Um, so yeah I do put a bit a bit of uh, I suppose emphasis on it but, but not a lot like you know in fairness, America across the board has a good summer, not like over here. Belichick's never fil- figured him out. I don't think what two is five and zero oh against the he Patriots. And it's that. like, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm, am I in the minority at this point that I think Bill Belichick might be able to keep his job after the season, especially going after after that win. But otherwise, it's last opportunity to figure out to a. Um, yeah, I, I just want to. I'm, I'm interested to see how, can he get it done, but it's not like, I suppose. It's it's not like he's shown that he can do it, Bill Belichick. Figure him out. But then the other thing is, for Miami, it's a massive game because my reaction straight away was like, the in division record is massive now, and the Bills. What what are they one and two? They hammered the Dolphins, but they lost to the Jets and Patriots. Whereas the Dolphins are like, well, this is where we can get a half game lead because we went to beat the Patriots, basically. So it's yeah. like there's a lot to play for, and likewise, the Patriots would be thinking the same thing. They want to have a good uh, in division record. 
Oh yeah, we have we have to have it. Like, and I think um, the, the, the the fact that the division games have come early, you know, like this is you know that we is our is our fourth uh our fourth division game. Let's say by week by week eight, it's come early. The importance like strikes up. You only get so many opportunities to take down a division rival. I'm hopeful now. I think the Jets are at the Giants. If I'm not mistaken. I'm hoping that's a New York game. The Jets kind of slip up there. I'm not holding out too much hope that the books taking down the Bills. So really, for to gain some ground this week, we have to do the job ourselves. It's that simple. Right? You can only go so far. You know yourself in this league where you have dependency on others. Nine times out of ten, the dependency is on yourself. So look at the Patriots; just, they have to get it done. And I know the outside world will say, "Yeah, they've got no chance." And Tua is very impressive. He doesn't do anything majorly exciting from a mobility perspective. Some of his throws are beautiful. Like I have to, I just have to say the one he. I think it was the Hill, the Tyree Hill touchdown after the he got sacked. You know, in the, it was in the third quarter, was it? it was third quarter, fourth quarter, third quarter, yeah, last night, there, or Sunday. That was some throw, beautiful throw. And like he's got that in his locker. And like he's done it with time and time again. And I think it's I think it's a mixture though. I know people in, in America, they're, they're great at statistics and they'll always point to Tua. He's 5 and 0. I agree with you. But in terms of the scheme and the weapons that Tua has had at his disposal versus what Bill Belichick has had, I think that makes a difference too, to be honest, Mark. You know, if you look what Tua has had in the last number of years, or the last kind of three years, really, you could say, versus what Belichick has had, you know, I have to say that that I put some weight on that. Like Tua's head, Hill, Waddle, Kazeki was in better form, Parker was in better form, you know yourself, and um, whereas we didn't exactly have the roles, rights, and receivers. And, and he has a play caller. Like that's the massive yeah. thing, I suppose. That's but I, like when we actually talk about the Eagles game the other day. My wasn't my biggest takeaway. It was certainly up there in the top one or two. But Mike McDaniel, their run game was non-existent to start this game, and I'm like, barely at right. And it's like that's the, that's the biggest improvement that we've seen this year. Is that like last year was that's what caught up with the Dolphins, and McDaniel was not under pressure, but it was definitely talked about a lot in the off season. Now we have seen an improved running game. That's what was so complimentary yeah. and good to see from them. But it's like through the first half, there was nothing done on the ground. I mean, I don't know if, if I, I'm kind of watching. Mean like, do, and I don't know this, and none of us can answer this. But like in that spot, I was wondering if Mac or McDaniel was a bit conservative in this game, being like, we don't want to put too much on paper. Say if we're to meet them in the Super Bowl, would you believe that, now, would you? A, a part of me was looking at it, being like, his play calling has been so good the last few weeks, and don't get me wrong, the the passing game was definitely there, but like. Yeah. I'm just like, where was all the creativity gone? Like, like he's been he's been play calling such good games, McDaniel, that I was like, it doesn't make sense. And like, I'm I'm watching the Eagles defense, and like, I I think it's phenomenal. And Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, like, has transitioned seamlessly into that role after Jonathan Gannon left. But I'm kind of like, is he really able to just completely nullify what Miami's been doing so well for the first few weeks? I like that. That's where I'm just I'm questioning it at least. I don't know. Do I believe him? I'm certainly questioning it. Yeah, I, I I personally find it difficult to believe because for them to do that, they would look at their schedule and say, "Yeah, we have automatic route to playoffs here." You know that, and that like we're you know we can run through each team with relative ease. I, I think in this league, where parity is is regular, you know where teams are are, are actively kind of. I won't say forced, but like that, they're it's 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 how would you say sorry, the way the way the way the draft is structured, the way the cap, everything, it's, it's 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 aimed towards parity, you know. So it's difficult, like wins, any win in the event is difficult to get, you know. So I just find that 
hard to understand. I, I draw how, how a team could say, yeah, let's just tone this one down and get through it and see what happens. But like, I, I know where you're coming from because it looked like a different team that was out there on Sunday, truthfully, on, on the back of what they produced over the last couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, I draw it. The hard one for me, Mark. I, I'm, coming, I'm coming from a sportsman perspective whereby every game you want to play, regardless of who it is, it's me versus him. And I draw, is, is, is it a natural competitor? And like all these athletes, professional athletes, have had to be ultra competitive to first of all get into the into a professional position. But I don't know, is that could I could I put weight on that and say, yeah, they they've they've toned it down. And I won't say tank the game through the game, but not let no way, but at least not give maximum effort. I just I can't I can't see it. Did you look at like the way that the Eagles played on Sunday whenever you watched the game back against the Dolphins and think to yourself like I did, thinking there's no team taking this. This team's going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be a repeat of last year, yada, yada, yada. Because, like, we can go in in a second and talk about the Niners and how they fared on Monday night, but the Eagles just look like they're just going to get through the season. And when it when it counts, if they, if they keep this up, they're obviously going to be a massive contention come January, man. Yeah, yeah I suppose over the course of the weekend for the teams that I watched, and I looked to the Chiefs and go, Jesus, there. No, I don't know how he does it. I know, I'm not t- I know you asked about the Eagles. I'm looking at Mahomes and going, right, you've literally got Kelsey. You've lost Hill, like who else have you got? And he's just putting up ferocious yardage. And it's like, yeah, there's the capabilities there. So the Chiefs, the team I'm saying, the AFC going, yeah, you're, I hate to say it, but it looks like you're going back to the dance. You know, <laughs> it's like, but with regards to the Eagles, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the Eagles are, they're a sound team. They seem to have strength in every position. And then when you've got the playmaker, difference makers, like we say with AJ Brown, who seems to be on a, a course or trajectory that I don't know, have we ever seen in the NFL before? I, I heard some record he's, he said in terms of catches and yarders that's only equaled by Megatron is it Kevin Johnson so like what he's done so in the last five games he's put up I think 125 plus yards you know which is only done in five consecutive games by Calvin Johnson so when you elevate yourself into that kind of company that's that, that is savage so if, that, if they can continue that and then compliment Dallas Goddard and compliment Devante Smith and then bring in Jalen Hurst to, to, to compliment them you know with, with the savage offensive line and a tough defence They've all the makings of a Super Bowl team. And it, it, you would think that the learnings took, taken from last year would help them move on to this year. I, I believe that too in sport. I think I think if you lose one, it, it spurs you. I draw an extra few percent to go to go uh, to a quest of the after. I, I'd love to ask you now, James, watching this game, would you rather the Eagles O-line or would you rather their weapons? Because when it came to the O-line, like... Look, everyone's watching like what AJ Brown is doing. Like uh, the, his yeah. touchdown was a bit like uh, Stephon Diggs that he gets tackled around five yards out and he just battles through someone. Devontae Smith at one point goes up for a ball, whichever 49ers defender almost holds him like a like a, a line out in rugby, trying to knock him down, and he he holds the ball on like she's like their their hands are just like they're, they're not dropping him. Devontae Smith has been a small guy, like that's a massive development yeah. from him. But when I'm watching the game and I'm taking some notes down, the fumble at the first at the end of the first quarter by Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. I'm like, the puck was breaking all around him. He somehow moves up in it and then he just gets greedy. He should be getting rid of the ball at that point. And I write that down as a knock, thinking, Oh, this is gonna be a trend throughout the game. Not only did he um get greedy again later on in the game, but he did it twice on a touchdown drive. And I'm like, that is the luxury of trusting the guys that are around you. That one, his scrambling ability is obviously insane. Yeah. And his vision then to get the balls out. 
But I'm like, that O-line, and we've known it's the top of the PFF rankings for forever. I presume the lines are going to be knocked back down one after this week. But I'm watching that, and I'm like, that's that's the luxury that they have, that like he can hold on to that ball forever. Yeah. I think I put an awful lot of weight on O-line. I think if you got a good O-line with a quarterback who can make the throws and make the runs, you know, you've got a huge recipe for success, I have to say. The the recipe the, the 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 receivers and the weapons he has are obviously top drawer. Like they're, they're I think in every position they have they have people who are definitely top top five to ten in, in all the positions. You know, which makes a huge difference. We know that yourself. So, but I think without the O line being as good as they are, we don't see the the receivers being complimented as much. You know, obviously they they'll still make big plays, make big catches, have good yards, but I don't think we'll see them being at the level they're at the minute because right now AJ Brown. And he doesn't get like, he doesn't get an awful lot of, of plaudits. Everyone seems to, again, well, I think the media in general, especially in the States, are in love with Jefferson, in love with Chase, in love with Hill for what they do. And Elliot, rightly so. And A.J. Brown seems to be like this quiet assassin, of course, about his business, but never seems to get the real public love, if you know what I mean, that the other receivers get. So, but like, it was a big trade. It was a big call at the time. I was I was questioning it. And, and here I am looking at this one. This is the guy who's literally carrying the Kesson onto a Super Bowl run. So, to answer your question, mate, I would say I would pick the O-line, but they're spoiled and have them both, I think, to be honest. Yeah, no doubt. Here, when you say uh, you're surprised at the trade, is that you were surprised with the Eagles giving up what they did for him? Or, like, the re- I, I know I was stunned the Tennessee Times would give him away. Like, he was one of my favourite receivers I was, already. I was more, to be, to be honest with you, I was more surprised that the, the Titans let him go. You know, I think whatever the Eagles give up from. I think it's justified. When you see the production that he's produced over the last couple of years, yeah, I'm saying that's no problem. That's no problem. Because it's hard to strike. Well, now I know Minnesota might say different, but it's hard to strike well in the draft for receivers who make an instant impact, you know. Yeah, so that's what was happening the Eagles. They they missed on Jalen Rager and they missed on... Um, and where is he now? Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar as well is one that they missed on. Yeah, and like they, they hit... Yeah, you, you guys get... But it's like, yeah, they, they finally hit on Devontae Smith then, who was a bit undersized and A.J. Brown. But I suppose it's often the tale that I think back to when teams are like, oh, we're only willing to invest once every five years at wide receiver in the first round. I say, like, the Eagles showed you how it's done, you know, that they kept investing in that position and gave up, you know, the pick obviously for um, A.J. Brown as well. And it's paying massive dividend. I suppose it, it helps them that... Their O-line has been there now for a while. Like, they're aging guys. You know, they can add to it once every five years because you have your Lane Johnsons or your Kelsey's. Yeah. Like, in a, in a few years' time, that's going to be an issue. Like, Jason Peters hung around for forever on that team. Well, he was probably 38 or 39 when he actually finally left them. And then they were able to slot some guy in. So, it's like, it will be a problem eventually. But for right now, they're, like, all hitting their peak at the right time. Yeah, and did, what about their defense, do you recognize? Because I know you, you mentioned the fumble there, Mark. Um, the Hurts fumbled up when the pocket collapsed. But that was a throwaway, I agree with you all day. It's in my own notes as well. But I think the resulting score from that play, from the especially good field position, was a field goal. So like you've got you've got you've got an opposition as 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 potent as the Dolphins, given good field position with the weapons they have, and you manage to keep them into a field goal. Like I think a lot has to put on the defense too. They're, they're they are solid. They seem to have they seem to be I suppose I know I said I mentioned the Chiefs and the AFC, but you have to say the Eagles are probably the the best well-rounded team wouldn't you say in the NFL in terms of people in their Clear, positions yeah. on both sides of the ball um, they seem to have the, the, the most I suppose common greatness in, in, in every phase so that's 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 a huge recipe for success I said.
like to, to me they just feel like the complete team in the sense of you know, we're sitting here going into week eight of the season and two weeks ago everybody was or even a week ago people were saying about the Niners and how they'll continue this charge we, we and we'll talk about the Niners in a second but they've really struggled the last two weeks with Brown's defense and then going up against Minnesota albeit in prime time under pressure they've lost two games yes the Eagles have lost a the game they lost a the game against in my opinion a defense that performed out of its skin with Hot Sauce Gardner for New York with the New York Jets and they've got a huge game coming up this weekend now to try and keep their season going even without Aaron Rodgers but it just seems to me James like if we just hit a button right now and fast forward to 10 weeks we'll be talking about the Eagles unless something seriously happens to them like they're just yeah. too good on both sides of the ball I think not to be there or not be in the final four so it just depends I guess like sort of change it into the Niners I mean, we've we, we, we've all watched that game on, on Monday Night Football. I was surprised, James, at just how how shaky Brock Purdy looked, but also how little time he had at certain points. Uh, obviously, one of the main things, and it's the obvious discussion point that the Niners were successful on to an extent, was how efficient Christian McCaffrey could be. But I really liked how the Vikings played on Monday Night Football. They now, they now play the Packers on Sunday. And... Yeah. Yes, they had a bit of a, they had a wee bit of a respite there last week with the Lions getting destroyed in Baltimore. So who knows what could happen there? That was a much needed win for them, but certainly for the, for the Niners, like I mean, the Niners have to win this week, and they're playing the Bengals in Levi Stadium. It's a massive game. Like there's a couple of huge talking points. You look at the Niners, like like Trent Williams is a, is is a big is a big loss, obviously, and that contributes to the to Brock Purdy, but. When you watch Brock Purdy, like we we we've grown accustomed to looking at him, grown accustomed. He's only played handful, two handfuls of games, you could say, in regular season. To him being quite poised, and it was a note that I would have brought up to you guys a couple of weeks ago. I said that he looks very, very um, as a poised, relaxed, confident, and makes really good decisions. And his interceptions the last day were they were kind of confusing. You know, look at them; they're kind of like, what did he see, or what was he trying to notice, or was it Sunday's eyes? I couldn't, I couldn't really. Make head or tail of it, to be honest. Like, and I just found it interesting, like that. Even the, the body language, when you look at the the turnovers, Shanahan's body language is really negative publicly. You know, which you wouldn't really associate with him before. In, in my view, I wouldn't. Uh, he always comes across as a poised head coach who keeps his body language quite to himself. But it looked like he was growing a bit of a lot of frustration with his quarterback. And I think it's funny when you look at the a statistic. When is the last time the Niners lost two regular season games in a row? Week six and seven last year. Oh, yeah. Is that a, that, that's that's a major. Question. What, what you said about Shanahan there, he looked at the at the end of that game. He looked disgusted, and then he but he went into the press conference like, no, no, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so but see, it's grand to see because when you go to the press press conference, you can actually, I suppose, take take a breath and put on your game face to a degree, you know, and give talk and access to the media just to, just to kind of send them away out nothing. But in real time, in real reaction. It's very, very hard to conceal it. It's extremely hard to conceal it because it's it's the exact exact reaction to that moment. So, and I, I just I just thought when you know, I think I thought it was very noticeable, and I think pressure will start to build because you know the way pressure builds is on the quarterback. But if Brock Purdy has a bad game again against the Bengals, what's going to happen? You know, is 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 the is the Brock Purdy show over? Like, are are they going to re-scheme to kind of kind of suit him a bit more because they put everything into him, guys? They've picked him out as the guy. Trey Lance could look. Jimmy, Jimmy G, good look. So all the eggs are in the Brock Purdy basket. 
Mark's uh, been very vocal in this before. Very vocal in this. Well, do you know what? It's so funny because before the season, I said, for whatever reason, I would love to see Sam Darnold in the system. Like, I would love it. But I have to say, I think it's so unfair what's being said about Brock Purdy after this game. I Like, and not just on this podcast with you, but like, I woke up after the game and I went onto Twitter and there's like, everyone's talking about Brock Purdy. Like, the game has just ended when I woke up. Everyone's talking about uh, Brock Purdy. I texted Michael privately about it and said that um, Scott Hansen had rightfully said, just to gauge the interest, who on Twitter here would rather Brock Purdy as their quarterback? Name your team and say yes or no. And there was 2,000 replies on it. And I was like, what is going on here that so many people want an opinion? When I watch the game back, I'm expecting like a horrible performance. He played great in the first half. Like, is it his fault that, like, people are saying, oh, Christian McCaffrey with his two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey started the game poor when he fumbles the ball on the first. How's that on Purdy? From what what I saw from Purdy in the first half is, like, his vision was great. He was getting balls out to Brandon Ayuk. He had a lovely scramble, a 17-yard scramble, after picking up an 18-yard gainer from to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, just on a, on a great play and a great throw. It's not his fault that Jake Moody then misses the field goal on that same drive. Don't get me wrong, the interceptions were horrible at the end of the game, but he was making those plays. Like Those were the throws that he was given, or certainly the first interception was a throw that he was throwing all day to Brandon Ayuk, and Brandon Ayuk was able to win those balls. The second one now was a bit more unforgivable. It was like it was really horrible, but like I thought he was anticipating the line of scrimmage really nicely in the first half as well, because... I was watching the highlights back-to-back with the New England game, and it's kind of like there's one play in the New England game where Mac Jones, and like I've just said at the top of the podcast, I think he's been told, go for the short routes, go for the real quick stuff. So he's, he breaks through a collapsing pocket. He sees the line of scrimmage. He should go another three yards and bait some defenders to come in on him, but he says no, and he dumps it off. Not dumps it off, but he gives the quick ball, and they don't pick up the first down. Whereas when it comes to... Brock Purdy, he's a bit like a clip that I saw with Patrick Mahomes this week, that he goes right up to the line of scrimmage, he draws in those defenders, and then he just tosses a little rainbow pass over the head of it. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I was seeing from Brock Purdy, and it's like, I'm not going to eliminate all that because of two horrible interceptions. Like, yeah, it's probably his two worst throws of the whole year have cost him a game there. What What's your thoughts still into? So, uh, they get the touchdown with like a minute left in the first half. So they so they essentially go and I understand the midfield goal I get that but from from a, a big points perspective they essentially go scoreless you know for twenty nine minutes of the game what's your thoughts on that because the field goals are getting missed like he can't control Jake Moody either and like I know the Vikings missed their throw or the, I know they missed their stuff but it's like his other players out there as well and it's like I thought I thought it looked good I thought the team looked good in the first half I just thought that at the end of the day like. They lost to the Vikings. Like the def- the defense wasn't going at either. Like Jordan Anis- Addison's first touchdown, he's in double coverage. It's a third and second from the nineteen yard line. I presume what's going on there is the 49ers defense is thinking that it's a run play. But anyway, the ball is released and it's it's a twenty yard uh, toss up. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it, the 49ers have to defend that ball. And then Jordan Addison's second touchdown, it's a hand fight that Traverius Ward doesn't have. So I'm like. Put some of the pressure on the on the defense for those for those two touchdowns, and you know it's a different game. So it's like I understand where you're coming at from the offense, but it's like the 49ers defense didn't help it either, and it's one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, I get it because 
I, I would always look at, and I always use our guys, right? But if I did put Mac Jones into in San Francisco team, right? And I said to you here on Sunday, or Monday, sorry, and I gave you here, take George Kittle, take Brenda Ayo, and take Christian McCaffrey. And I said, what are you going to score in the first half? And if you told me, like, you wouldn't score for 20 minutes, there'd be, <laughs> there'd be an awful lot of questions asked, you know. I have no doubt that Brock Purdy's got the goods. I asked you a couple of weeks ago, if he stays in the same direct- trajectory, does he get paid big? You know, I thought at the time, yeah, he gets paid big. But he has to kind of, he has to show a bit of bounce back ability, if that makes sense. You know, next week, he has to come out and ball out next week. Because if this, if this becomes a trend, you know, Mark, whereby he is a, I have to say, he's a mass contributor to the Ford Niners getting getting beaten along the defense. I get that, right? But he, it'll always be him in the focus. It'll always be the quarterback. When a team is getting beaten in a bad run, they'll always point the finger at the main guy who gets paid the highest, although he's not, though. So, like, he has to show, he has to bounce back big time and show that he's got, he's got the tools, basically, to do so. So, I, See, I just think if you turn the game around, like, he has the two interceptions in the fourth quarter, but like that, Christian McCaffrey has his two touchdowns late in the game, but he's the one that's fumbled at the beginning of the game. So it's like, yep. it's it's the sour taste that's been left in the mouth. And I think that it, it's, it's often slanted on the quarterback because he has to go with the deep throws towards the end of the game that end up, you know, but like, mm-hmm. again, when you're asking about like, why didn't they score for so long? It's like, because Christian McCaffrey goes and fumbles the ball, but everyone's saying he's the best part of it, the 49ers. Well, let's get even more sour then. Hypothetically, James, imagine the Niners lose to the Bengals on Sunday night. The Bengals, who sat at home in the bye week, watching the Ravens be unbelievable. The Steelers get a win in California, and the Browns win in, in Indianapolis. Browns, or sorry, the Bengals getting a week off, nice and chilled in the Levi's. Crowd could turn very quickly. I'm just yeah, saying, hypothetically, if Joe Burrow was to go into Levi's and get a win, Will the conversation for Sam Darnold do you think talk or am I chatting out of my hole? I it's hard to answer. I don't think yet. I don't think yet. I, I suppose if if a pattern develops where in losses, it has to develop continuously and over and over again. I think when you look at the losses that the Niners have suffered, yes, you can point to point to some poor play by, by Birdie, Purdy, but you can also point to poor play by others. If he was the sole contributor, I won't say so, but you know what I mean? A, a major, major, major contributor to the Niners continuously getting beaten. Well, then fingers start getting pointed, you know what I mean? But they've got, a, I think I could be correct now, I don't know how it off by heart here, but they've got a tough schedule coming up, Niners have. They've got a couple of division games coming with the Seahawks, you know, that that will, that are in between a big game with someone like, oh, I could, have you got the schedule in front of you guys by any chance? Yeah, here, I can read it out to you. They have, um, the Bengals next, then the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. Yeah. Oh. The Ravens are going to be there oh. t- towards the end of the year as well. Yes. So I, so they have a tough game in between two division games. So like they, they have nothing easy coming either. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I, so I don't think so, Mike. I think I think after another week, you know, after a couple of weeks whereby if they get on to like a 500 record, oh, Jesus, then there'll be a major question to ask. But I can't see that happening, to be honest. The funny thing is there is that they do have the insurance policy of Sam Darnold this year, which I think will work out well for them if he does end up in the game. It's not like you're switching completely. Like if Trey Lance was there, oh, that would be a headache for all of us if we had to listen yeah. to that at the moment. But it's kind of funny that it's like we're now asking the question, who would get benched quicker, Mac Jones or Brock Purdy? And people are leaning more on Brock Purdy being. It's like, where did that come from? Brock Purdy was MVP three weeks ago. There you go. 
Is there anything else you're looking forward to seeing over the next week or so, James, or anything else you've seen from the weekend? Well, I have a random question for you guys. I'm interested to get your thoughts, right? If you take QBs out of it, who is your MVP at the minute? Give me give me three or four guys. Uh, for me, it's Miles Garrett. Yeah, it's a good shout. He's unbelievable. Miles Ma- Ma- Garrett is a funny one because he's class. I love Miles Garrett. The other day was the first time he put the team on his back. Normally, he plays really well and they get beaten. And uh, sorry, I... I I, I hear the around the NFL podcast uh, say this because I was listening and I was in total agreement and it's like TJ Watt is the guy that always goes out and wins a game for his team and Miles Garrett hasn't quite been doing that and it's like what he like he's he's a serious serious player but um, I don't know have I got him in the I don't know do I have him there in over a TJ Watt or like yeah I think I think you're going to have to look at the defensive players I think Aiden Hutchinson has been pretty good, but I don't know. I think he's like fourth favorite in the MVP race at the moment. But like, that's going to completely take a turn. No, see, the thing is, the Lions have a really easy schedule. They play one more team with a winning record the rest of the way. And it's like the Ravens in week 17. Like, they should have the whole thing wrapped up by then. But yeah, I guess it's always a difficult question. Then the non than on QB because it's just going to be offensive player of the year and it's like I don't know has there been a standout running back or anything at the moment like the standout player the standout story now that like the likes of a Justin Jefferson has gone like a puka nakua and it's like you're not going to give him the MVP no cornerback has really been standing up obviously your big names your Sauce Gardeners your um, Tredavious White from the Bills have been injured like that obviously doesn't it's, a, it's an interesting question because look we are only in week 8 I think that what Lamar Jackson is doing and elevating a team is exactly what you want to see. Like, I don't think the four... Actually, funny enough, Michael, I saw you dropped OBJ on your fantasy team and I was like, yeah, too right because, like, he hasn't been there or whatever, you know? Like, it hasn't been working out. Hey, it's, shout out it's to all Lamar Jackson. Getting me to win on Monday night, baby. Yeah? Yes, sir. You got you got probably your first win in the whole thing. But it, yeah, didn't I? In my defense, I didn't look at my team for three weeks because it was too busy. But I got to win. And I'm I'm gonna win the league. Don't worry, I'm not sending the fifty euro to win the league. Uh it's <laughs> throwing it back to you, James. Who do you think's the non QB? Um, I have made Miles Garrett. I have four guys that I thought were just have been excellent. So Miles Garrett is one, obviously. Um, I think Travis Kelsey is not enough been talked about him. I think obviously this this is long. Oh no, plenty has been talked about him. James. It's back. just all the kind of wrong content. Yeah. It's the only thing. But like nobody's talking about what he's doing the pitch. Like like the way he played on the weekend was was completely awesome. You know, and he's been doing that over the last couple of weeks, few weeks, should I say. So like he's he's been savage. AJ Brown, as I just said, has been. I think I think between himself and Tyreek have been the standout receivers, but I think he's just been exceptional. You know. Um, okay. Oh. Puka Nakua, he's been unreal yeah. as well. Good show, good show as well. Like good show in, in the absence of big teammates there. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my hat on Travis Kelsey. I'm gonna put it onto him. Yeah, I'm gonna put it onto him. Non MVP, non QB. You know what I mean? But in terms of, and lastly, who the QB who's playing the best at the moment? I think Lamar is playing pretty sick. Mahomes is playing pretty sick. You know, so it's kind of a shootout between those two guys at the moment. I have to say, um, I, I would have had parts up there. James, James, I think the way Lamar played on Sunday, not to jump in, the way Lamar Jackson played against Detroit on Sunday, he's the standout yeah. MVP for me at the minute. I think he's unbelievable. Yeah, he ripped him, yeah. He ripped him. He, yeah. He's not the bookies' favourite, and I can only put that down to like 
the bookies thinking it goes to Patrick Mahomes because the Chiefs have a dominant record or something like that because like right now the player that's playing the best is definitely Lamar Jackson so it's like ignore the odds because I think that's like more of a formula or more of a technical thing but it's like the best player in the league right now is definitely Lamar Jackson because like that oh man like that was the best running defense he was up against in the league the Lions are the best going into that game the best running de- so it's like you can say whatever you want about like like that offense has obviously been historically based since Lamar got there with the run game but like his pocket awareness and knowing I took the under on him it was like set at 50 yards I was like I know he's not going to do it against this off this defense but it's like he could have done it except for he's become so mature and decided not to take off running and that was like that was eye opening for me that he's just become so smart yeah Good shout. Yeah, it's a good shout, Jay, guys. I, I, I think he's continued to do so as well. You know, it looks, it looks, it looks like he's having a solid, um, kind of consistent year. You know, sometimes he's been up down, his team is up down, but the Ravens, the Ravens are going to quite shout too, so that's a space to be watched. This is his best performance as a, like a pure quarterback, I feel like. I feel like he's beating out the MVP. The MVP year was because he was doing the running stuff as well. Yeah. And it's like a lot of highlight plays there. And it's kind of like, that's why Justin Fields got a vote for the MVP last year. It's because there's a lot of highlight plays. I think this is just real good consistency and it's perfect. And I'm sure we're going to talk about this, Michael, on um, the next podcast or whatever. But like what he's doing as an actual quarterback is just so impressive. And to be honest... I, I, we're going to talk about it look we're going to talk about on the next podcast Michael and I already know this that how the hell he stayed on free agency for as long as he did is absolutely ridiculous sure. now and I don't know why that's not being talked about because like it's embarrassing for the likes of the Atlanta Falcons and uh, na- teams to be named on a Thursday morning's podcast Michael. I look I'm forward to it I look forward to it James, I, I look forward to seeing you in Frankfurt in two weeks. I'm joking, but we'll see the crack. Um, <laughs> here, I have to give you a week. If your Dolphins win, or if your Patriots beat the Dolphins, sorry, uh, on Sunday, I'd say the house will be going mad by 8 o'clock, but we'll, we will see the crack. Appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everybody's continued support. Uh, you can check out James on social. We'll, we'll drop the socials under. Uh, that's us, boys. Longer foil. James, give me a mug. Thank you, folks. Good talk to you.